Grace and peace to you from God our Father in heaven and the Lord Jesus. Amen. Uh, looking ahead, we are in the season of Lent now, and in the weeks to come, we continue to walk with Jesus as he accompanies his disciples on the way to Jerusalem in Mark's good news. He's giving them the master class on what it means to be his disciple. And he embodies for them, I think, in the readings to come, we'll see uh, practices that we can embrace as we follow him too. They are teaching, serving and healing, giving, telling and loving, and trusting. And this week I see Jesus teaching what it means to be a follower of the Messiah. That might seem like a hard lesson for us. And you might know this story well. It's often recalled as the story of the rich young ruler or the rich man and Jesus. But knowing this person's financial situation ahead of time kind of spoils the ending. You see, the first ones to hear this story wouldn't have known of the man's wealth until the end of the lesson. They were, like the man himself, expecting the world to be turned upside down, the kingdom of God to be launched into reality by the Messiah, the one the prophets spoke about, and a time when justice would come for those who oppressed the people, when Israel would finally be free and God would rule and the world would be renewed. Most of them weren't asking what would happen after their death, but how to live in this new and coming kingdom. So some teachers would interpret the law and, and give the answer. This is how you should live. This is who you should follow. This is how to join the winning team. So Jesus hears this question and refers back to the law, the Ten Commandments, with one addition. And he says to the man, you know this. Don't kill. Don't cheat. Steal. Lie. Don't defraud. Honor your parents. And the man is elated. Great! I'm in! He's kept the law. Surely he'll be there. Not so fast, my friend. And don't call me Shirley. <laughs> There's something missing. Wow. Jesus looks at him and loves him. It's one of my favorite verses in Scripture. Jesus, looking at him, loved him the only place you hear that. Put that on your tombstone, people. If they never say anything else about me, let someone say that Jesus, looking at him, loved him or her or them. That's a good one. Jesus responds to this man's testimony. He's obeyed the law since he was young. And without a doubt, without doubt, but with knowing and grace, a lesson has already begun. There's one thing missing tells him to sell all that he owns, give the money to the poor, and then come along for the mission ahead. The same invitation he offered the disciples, the sons of Zebedee, come and follow me. We might look at this man who runs up to Jesus and falls down and see ego. Oh, he thinks he's followed the law so well. Good luck, buddy. Why even ask the question then? Who is this guy? Yet he seeks Jesus out. He had to ask, Jesus, what do you say I should do to inherit eternal life? As the oldest child in my family, I often felt this distinct weight of responsibility. And I always kind of saw it as my role to set the example, 
to achieve, to work hard, to follow the rules most of the time and do things the right way. And I don't know if I was taught that explicitly or just inferred on my part or it was a means of survival, but especially growing up, it's what I would cling to. So I got good grades. I joined the Boy Scouts, helped out around the neighborhood, cared for my siblings. I got older, I moved away from the family, and those efforts just became a part of my character. I was a good guy. And after some living and learning, found myself longing for something more. There was still something missing. And I still remember driving down from East Hollywood through Wilshire Center to the radio station in Koreatown at night, alone, angry. And I was working three jobs to survive in Los Angeles and had been through a difficult breakup. I was brokenhearted, frustrated, and afraid. And I prayed as I drove. And I told myself I would find a church. I would seek out God. And in that moment, as I felt this weight kind of lifted from my shoulders and a peace come over me, I realized that this pain that I was wallowing in was mostly self-inflicted. I thought I had failed as the older responsible brother, the one who had it all together, the one who would be a great success. And I was drowning in my own stupid ego. God didn't let me stay there, of course. It would be a few more years before I would find a church where I could belong, but I learned, I'm still learning, that my life is not about doing anything, but it's about giving my life away. Jesus, looking at him, loved him. Jesus looks at this man and calls him to come and follow. It would mean freedom, a new family, a new way of being, good things. But first, the old life had to go away. Go and sell all that you own. Give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. That's all it takes, people. Sell it all. That's it. You got it, right? And I don't know how many of you follow the stock market, but I don't think all those sell orders this week are so that people can run out and follow Jesus. Are they? Maybe. But Jesus asks this man for a market correction, right? The way you've been going isn't my way. We're going to Jerusalem. Want to come? And the man was shocked. Say it with me. Shocked! He went away in grief, for he had many possessions. And the things he owned, owned him. Jesus is offering to liberate this man from the burden of his wealth. How much did he have? A lot. We can only imagine. The ask was too much for him, and he went away, back to his old life, back to whatever it was that drove him out in the first place to find another way. Saddened, he went back to the routine, back to the status quo, the life he had before when he was living before he encountered the living God. Had he really followed the law? Let's think about it. We fool ourselves easily. When we think we're good, when we think we've followed the rules, when we think we've done everything right, 
the word calls us to account for the way we live. And the law still catches up to us. It's that weight on our shoulders again. Jesus begins this conversation with a question. Remember, he says, why do you call me good? Then doesn't mention that whole commandment about taking the Lord's name in vain. Only God is good. Interesting. Mark tells the story and includes among this list of commandments, do not defraud. One scholar notes that this man's wealth may have come at the cost of his neighbors. Jesus still looks at the man, sees his sin, and loves him anyway. So I don't expect many of you today will go and sell all that you have and give the money to the poor. But if you'd like to, our ushers will be standing by, just in case. Truth is, we're missing something too. Our will is still bound to sin. We are still unable to fully be as we were created to be. Unafraid, unselfish, fully trusting in the goodness of God, especially if we've already suffered, already been hurt by the world and the people in it. And we're unable to do for ourselves what is really needed. When I examine myself, when we examine ourselves, we tend to gloss over the ways that we failed to live up to the law. But we might as well name it. We've forgotten God. We've lied and cheated and stolen and committed murder with words and thoughts. Our intentions are the best for us, usually. We want what we do not have. We burn with rage and jealousy and fear, and it eats us alive. And we work to please others, and we covet what they have earned, and in our hubris we think we deserve salvation. Well, Jesus explains how impossible it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Not going to happen. God knows. We are ones with wealth. As a culture, we are. Some of us here have more than others, that's true. But as a collective people, we are wealthier than most of the world. That's why we read stories of incredible generosity and we take notice. We read about this this week. Birmingham Church to forgive 7 to $8 million in medical debt for families across Alabama. Whoa, we take notice of that. It's beautiful, right? That's the kind of turning the world upside down kind of action that gets attention because it's rare. We cling to what we have tightly. And the reaction of the disciples here is, uh, is interesting. Peter is always, almost always, a stand-in for our voices. He tells us all we need to know. Look at us, Jesus. Here we are. Look how good we are. Jesus looks at him. And loves him, no doubt. Sure, Peter, he seems to say. It's true that when you truly leave yourself behind and live for the sake of the good news, you'll be living the Jesus way. What will it take for us, I wonder? What's that something missing in your life, in your heart? What's missing in our life together? But there is good news here. Jesus doesn't leave the man. He loved him. He promises to give all that is needed to those who truly follow him. 
now and in the life to come. And it won't be easy, though. There will be pain and suffering, persecutions endured for those who live for Jesus in a world who can't follow him. Some look forward to that new age, that new leader to be inaugurated, perhaps. Some look to the horizon to find the justice and peace that we're missing. Some look all over the world for the thing that's missing. For a new family, for our true home. Jesus calls us to look to him alone. For new life, Jesus says to trust him, to follow the way of discipleship, to look to the cross. It's empty there, along with the tomb. Jesus has been raised up already, and we have been given already this gift of salvation. Even though we don't deserve it, we've been baptized. That old ego, the old way that you've lived and all your sins have been drowned in that water with the word. And you are raised up to live the abundant life Christ promises and delivers. It's here. It's now. And your treasure is in heaven, yet we are still living here on earth. So we're given responsibilities to care for others and the, the world God made. To work for justice, to welcome the stranger, to feed the poor. I found a church that welcomed me in and took me in and shared with me, nurtured me in prayer and helped to teach me God's word and Jesus' way. And I heard this good news that when I feel that weight of the law on my shoulders catching up to me and I can know that God's grace in Jesus is still for me. There I found something that was missing in my life. I felt Jesus looking at me, loving me. And this word is still calling us to be the church and to see the ways that we can still turn from ourselves, to trust in this goodness of God and follow Jesus to the cross until the day that we see him face to face and we can ask, we'll still be striving against our selfishness. But here, now, we've already received the Spirit of God, and in faith, we follow the teacher. Maybe we'll learn a little along the way. Amen.